What is up, everybody? Episode 155. Off to a great start, yeah. by the way. The, okay, for the sake of our audio listeners who aren't going to hear any of what just happened, we're going to give you a fun intro without that music, and I'll just post-produce this later. So here we go. You ready? Everybody, three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 155. This is the World Championship episode. Nick, you're in studio with me. Ben's in studio. Evan is still remote. Evan, how are you doing? Nick, how are you doing? Doing great. Just enjoyed an incredible weekend up in Smuggler's Notch Resort. Being able to watch the world's best compete on what I think is the world's best disc golf facility. And uh, it was incredible. Absolutely incredible. I don't have a single bad thing to say about it. Uh, yeah, I do. The service out there sucks. That's the only thing. When you're trying to see what's going on in the leaderboard, and you got thousands of people all around you trying to do the exact same thing. That's the only part that sucks. Other than that, absolutely incredible weekend. Yeah. And if you are, and I'll get to you, Evan, if you are an audio listener, you just missed 15 minutes of joyous technical issues. Nick's camera's still glitching, but yeah, his audio is fine. Yeah. So this is just my luck with cameras. Evan, how are you doing? Yeah. Well, I'm doing pretty good. And I want to remind everyone, if you're at a Discount Pro Tour event live, generally you're supposed to turn your data off. So that way the uh, cameras can have the best quality. So Nick, let's follow those instructions next time. Set a good example for everyone so else. you're but telling I know me to you put wanna... my phone on airplane mode I... the whole time I'm watching a Disc Golf Pro Tour event? I know you want to be checking scores. You know, this is something Disc Golf Pro Tour, you know, we'll figure out with time. Uh, I'm going to be patient with it personally, but I know others may not be as patient. Uh, but yeah, I, checking the leaderboard is so important for what's happening. There was four cards in contention at MPO. It was nuts there. It was a blast, but it was nuts. Uh, it was a ton of fun. I like haven't stopped moving since Worlds ended, uh, as I was saying in the pre-show, but I'll say it again for the audio listeners. It, hectic weekend. It's Labor Day weekend. A lot of good things going on, but just busy, you know, mm -hmm. but excited to do this show here. Yes, absolutely. We have a great show lined up, including Isaac Robinson, who just joined in our green room, and he is ready to join. I don't know if he's at Smugs or not, but we'll uh, have to check out the internet connection here. Let me hit a quick little... Can I... Just a shout out as always really quick. Episode 155 is presented by Cosmic Disc Golf. We're going to talk actually a little bit more about Cosmic TG later. They have a lot of stuff going on with the Stafford Woods course out in New Jersey. Uh, we are going to bring that up a little bit later, um, but for right now, Matt is setting up a couple final things. Then we're going to have Isaac Robinson joining into the show. That's right. And I think there's no spoiler alerts anymore. We just watched an incredible weekend of live disc golf, and I hope all of you are subscribed to the Disc Golf Network if you weren't in Vermont. I will say this. Shout out to every single person that went out and viewed that event. That was probably the most amount of people I feel like I've ever been with at a disc golf pro tour event, mm. let alone actually, I should say this at a PDGA major. And I've been to a few world championships. Now the new England crowd that came out there and everyone that traveled far and in between Canadians, people from down South, everyone coming up to it, being able to watch up on the dam of hole nine, 10, 11 and 12. And just the insane amount of people all walking down hole 18 at the same time to watch the winners finish. Uh, was absolutely incredible. Um, Westy acres is saying almost 4,000 people on site. I'd, I'd really be curious what the record is in the U.S. I know UC is big on keeping track of the numbers for the European Open. Someone said, yeah, almost 4K. Yeah, so. that's what Wesley was just saying. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'd be really curious what the biggest number or largest number that we've ever had at a U.S. event is. But man, that's got to rival it. It was just such a cool, such a cool experience. So Matt, how are you doing on your side? 
Great. I think we're ready here. And like, again, to our audio listeners, you got to set the tone for this one. World Championship, yeah. uh, computer tech issues all combined into one moment of trying to go live multiple times. So mm-hmm. I hope we can come off as calm and zen. Calm, and cool, like, and collective. <laughs> let's do no it. sad piano music. I don't care if your camera's glitching the whole show. Your mic sounds great. Let's yeah. bring in everybody. Uh, the world champion, current and reigning Isaac Robinson, welcome to the show, my man. Um, what's it like to hear someone introduce you as a world champion in the best, or I shouldn't say the best, the greatest open division there is, the, about the highest you can go? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, I'm not used to it yet. It's been one day and I'm still not used to it. All right. What, what's, what's the feeling like just in general? Like what, how have you felt? the 24 hours that it's happened. I'm doing a lot of, uh, just kind of reliving each moment in my head. Uh, I watched Jomez production this morning on the drive, uh, up to Prince Edward Island. And I'm just, it's just bl- blown away. Like just reliving each moment in my mind. I think every single disc golfer who's going out and trying to make the pro tour and, you know, make, professional disc golf a career in their lifestyle always says you know yeah i want to win the world championships i want to win the world championships and i think in your post you were saying you can't describe the feeling of what it was like walking down hole 18 on fox run but i want you to try to describe <laughs> all those feelings on this podcast right now because i'm very curious of you know something that will more than likely never happen in my lifetime being able to walk down a hole at an mpo tournament saying i'm a world champion all of a sudden but what is that like for you now that that has happened to you what are those emotions like? Man. All right. Well, I spent the whole round just suppressing emotions and just suppressing the thoughts, uh, just trying to like stay focused on each shot um, that I needed to execute. And after my tee shot on 18, I stood there and I looked out over the crowd. You know, you guys are staying like 4,000 people mm-hmm. just lying entire fairway of 18 people behind me and it just like it just hit me um i think my heart like it was like normal pace like just you know normal and then it was just like boom 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 and it's, it felt like that you know like when a car drives by with like bass that's super loud oh yeah that's what it felt like it was beating like yeah and i just stood there and i looked out and it was just the most incredible feeling uh that I've, you know, I've, that I've ever felt. Mm. So who's the better brother now? <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, definitely me. There you go. Back to back weeks. I, I love that. Back to back weeks. Um, people talked to us up there and, and we saw them up there at Smuggler's Notch. By the way, the whole Nick and Matt show was there. All mm-hmm. four of us. It was crazy. But people were like, they loved those little, those interviews that we do where we ask questions like that. And now they're like, who's the better brother? Now you have to ask them. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Um, you are a multi-major champion. Do you think there's anything to be said about the way you handle yourself and your play because it's the highest level of competition? You might think some people crumple it seems like that may not be the case for you. Do you feel that true? I think so. Um, I like to think I wouldn't crumble. Um, I'm sure it's going to happen at some point. Um, but I like the streak that I'm on. So 
I'm going to try to see how long that, that goes, but I'm feeling very confident. I, I'm confident in my ability to uh, just control my mental game and control my emotions on the course. Um, so I think that lends itself to the, um, you know, like the stability that you need to win these kind of tournaments. Yeah. You have to believe though, everybody treats worlds and most majors as a bigger deal. And we do see players that rise to that occasion. Um, do you feel like you treat it more seriously than other events? And maybe that's obvious, but like, is that how you treat these majors? It's a bigger deal and seems like you accomplish what you're going for. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There is, you know, they're longer than most events for sure. So I have a little bit more preparation um, for those four or even five day events in this case. And they're just, uh, yeah, the whole the whole thing with like four day events is just don't shoot yourself out of it. Um, the first, the first, or even the second round. Like if you can just hang there in the top ten, top fifteen, you're gonna have a shot to to take it down. Um, so that was the goal. Uh, the really just the first three days of Worlds was just don't shoot myself out of it. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for you? Are you not playing as aggressive? Yeah, not playing as aggressive. Um, but also just like, you know, if I'm off the fairway, don't go for an insane scramble shot with a low percentage. Just pitch out and then try to make the the approach for par. Um, so just a little bit more, I guess, thought going into the game um, and the rounds that I'm playing and uh, not full steam ahead all the time. Well, it, cer it certainly worked for you, man. And uh, if Stat Mando, Evan, you're here, is, is the number correct? Um... He is added to a list of 20 MPO world champions now. He's the 20th. Oh, I would I would have to double okay. check that, but that sounds that sounds right. Yeah. I can double check if you like. You don't, yeah, I, I got I got something else for you to check as well, Evan, <laughs> real quick. And uh reason I say that is I always bring up the money that is involved in disc golf because there actually is a pretty decent amount of it. And this was tied for the most money ever awarded to a player in the MPO division. Thirty thousand dollars went to you, Isaac Robinson, at this event. Now, I don't know if the PayPal has hit yet. If it has, congratulations. If not, you know, it's going to be a great day when it does hit. But the thing is, is I don't know if you realize this, but to go up to Smuggler's Notch and play five rounds of disc golf, you made $6,000 a day. Just hanging out, throwing a Frisbee, throwing a disc and doing it very, very well, which is awesome. And I would never sell that at all short. But how cool is it? You made $6,000 a day to do something that you love and something that you're exceptionally good at. Now, I'm going to kind of end this on a slightly sour note. But I think you were about 20 or 30 cents off of your good buddy, Gannon Burr, who I think has the most cash per throw in the world. I think you're both at $112. And Evan, this is where I, what I would like you to fact check for me, please. On an event basis? On an event basis, standard stroke play, right, the yep. most cash per throw, the OG stat that we brought years and years ago that has kind of made its way back a little bit. But um, I think Paul, Billy, and I were looking at it last night, and I think you're you might be like 15 or 20 cents off of being the most cash per throw at a standard um, stroke play event. But what is, what is that feeling like? And I know one of the other things was in the last year, the, you know, exceptional amount of tournaments that you've done well at is you've made over, I think it was like $116,000 with like 68,000 of those coming from three different events. What is that like to, you know, I don't know if you worked a regular kind of like an old regular job, banging a hammer against a wall, you know, construction, whatever into going into being a professional athlete and seeing kind of the pay scale rise for you. What is, what is that like for you? 
All right. Well, I'll answer the first question uh, first. Mm-hmm. Um, Smuggler's Notch is amazing. Being able to play those courses, uh, you know, for getting paid to play those courses for $6,000 a day, uh, that's a dream come true. I mean, that's for anybody who's been there, the property is just breathtaking. Um, and so to be able to do that and come away with a huge paycheck is just, uh, it's just amazing feeling. Um, <laughs> as far as, as far as, as far as Gannon's rounds go, isn't that stat from Des Moines challenge Yeah, where he only, I mean, we only played two. Technically rounds. speaking, I'm pretty sure so, his highest one is the two rounder at Des Moines challenge that he won. Yeah. Let me, let me jump in here for a second. Go for it, the, the true bank Des Moines challenge. Uh, the two rounder is number one. Uh, $112.39 per throw. Yours came out to $112.36. Is that what you said, Nick? So he was uh, only three cents off. Uh, only three cents off <laughs> uh, in a five-round tournament, yeah. uh, winning you know almost $18,000 more. Uh, the number three, uh, third best, is $112.11 from Gannonburg at USDBC. So that one, that one's kind of legit. Four, you know, four and you round beat there. Yeah. Yeah. And then... The Whammo 50k Invitational. I I I put an asterisk on that because I'm not sure if the uh, data is right. If there's a total number of strokes is correct, but the winner did win ten thousand dollars from ninety five total strokes. So that's over hundred dollars as well, but one hundred five. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, it drops to eighty four dollars from Macbeth's USDTC win in twenty twenty one. So it, it's a pretty kind of uh, standalone top three, uh, if you will, between yeah. uh, Gannon's two and your your new one. And you did it in five rounds and. You know, Gannon's was only two rounds, so impressive nonetheless. Absolutely. Yeah. I think Gannon's at this point would be pretty hard to be unless, you know, Worlds or a major turns into a four round event. But you've got two major wins on the year. Champions Cup, Worlds, Smugglers Notch, you're world champion now. One more major, USCGC. We're going to hit three majors on the East Coast this year. And one of them was actually in your home state. What's up with the East Coast courses? You just liking that kind of disc golf a little bit more than the West Coast, the Midwest? What's up? Yeah, I'm loving, I love these shorter woods courses. Um, placement shots are, are where I thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the start of the year, I was telling people, I was like, these these majors line up really well for for how I play and for, you know, my style of, of game. So, yeah, Champions Cup was the beginning. I was really excited going in the Worlds. I, you know, I really didn't think I had, a, like, a shot, but I wanted to give it give it my all. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, walked away with that one, and and now I I would. Love- uh oh! Oh, hold on one second, Isaac. Can you hear us? Hold on one second, Isaac. For some reason, the what did he sound like? A little alien. Literally sounded like a baby alien for a second. <laughs> the uh, the audio. Okay, can we hear of- you again? We're hearing you again. Go ahead, Isaac. Can you hear us? Good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There we go. All right. You're back. Yes. Go ahead. Finish okay. up what you were saying. Sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited for USDBC. I think uh, she got her, uh, you know, placing higher and higher mm-hmm. the past years. So um, I have high hopes coming into October on that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to do a quick refresh on your connection. Um, Isaac, because it seems like are we pulling too much data from him? 
Yeah, I'm going to see if I can. Evan, go ahead. I, I really want to see. Well, first of all, he is the 20th world champion in MPO. Uh, I did awesome. run that. That is true. 14 of those are one-time winners, which is what Isaac is now. Um, so that means six are multi-time winners. But Isaac just mentioned USDGC. I got to say, this is. I'm going to give a quick rundown of Isaac Robinson at USDGC. It's 2018 was the first year he played. Many years before he really started touring. Uh, 61st. But second year he played 2019 was 21st, then 15th, 8th, and then 6th. So the last four years have all been uh, 21st or better, getting better each year. Uh, really exciting. And if Isaac, you're back, uh, if you want to talk a little bit more about uh, maybe what kind of pressure will be at USDGC this year with you being a two-time major winner this season, you could get three in a year for the first time in a while. I would have to look the last time an MPO player has done that. Uh, but uh, it's looking pretty good, and your track record there is pretty good. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to give it my all at USDGC. That's one that... I've been dreaming to take down for, for years, ever since I first started playing that one. Um, so yeah, it would just kind of be the icing on the cake for a, for a stellar year um, to be able to take three of the three majors down. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I would love to see the list of people who's, who's done that. I think obviously Paul's up there. I was going to say, I can't um, imagine the last time I, it, I would assume it had to be 2015 when he had the five of them in one year, but I mean, I could be wrong. Yeah, about this. I, I can pull that up if we uh, give it a little bit. Uh, I, I do have a quick question for you, Isaac, as well. Uh, everyone wants to talk about the uh, standings race between you and Gannon. You still hold the number okay. two spot over him. Uh, you actually lost points to him this week uh, because Gannon did not play in Europe, so he got the full amount of points. And because you had a mm -hmm. solid enough finish in Europe and now you have two major wins, you dropped that Europe finish, which was pretty good. I think it was about 66 points you earned there. Uh, Maybe it was more. I forget exactly. I'm sorry. But uh, what is your take on maybe uh, dropping a major? Do you think they should count all majors now that you've had three solid performances? Or do you think the two out of three is good because not all players go to Europe or or whatever the other reason is? Yeah, I think um, the, uh, I, I don't mind if they drop one. The race against with me, yeah, it is, it is very heated. We both really want that captain spot for the all-star event in uh in the spring so i think i have him by seven or eight points if i'm not wrong uh just and under six i'm playing a silver series in canada just under okay wow yeah i'm gonna be playing series this week and if i can get a, a nice little podium spot there a little bit of a cushion but it's gonna come down to mvp so it's uh will be something to watch it's going to be a battle. We've, um, we've talked about this in years past, kind of the world's hangover of winning a world championship and then playing an event right after it. What are your expectations going into this event? Are you in a mindset where it's just like, man, honestly, I don't really care what happens. It's a silver series event. I'm going up to Canada, having a good time. What are your thoughts going into the uh, Discmania open? Yeah, there's certainly some of that. I, uh, it's going to be hard to stay focused in that one, but I'm still going to go up there. I'm going to commit to it. I'm going to play my game and, and try to do my best because, um, you know, if I can get a silver series, win, that'll be the first one on the pro tour this year. So that'll be, uh, first one for me anyway. Yeah. You... And, uh, it'll give me a little, little more points as well. Yeah. Are you, uh, signing discs one time, Isaac Robinson one time? <laughs> Yes, but I don't know how long I should keep doing that. Okay. Is, that a, is that like a permanent thing? I don't know. You'll have to ask another world champion, none of which are in this room currently. You'll have to, <laughs> you're in an elite club. I'm, I'm assuming they'll, 
you know, they'll have no problem conversating with you and letting you know. But um, <laughs> do, it should, as, do it as often as you want to, because the reality <laughs> is it's your world title. And if you're proud of it and people want it, then you do it. I got a quick question for Isaac. Oh, off camera. Intern Ben here. Um, so last time you were on the show, I asked last year, I said, is your contract year up? And I thought it was, but it wasn't. This year, I'm going to ask again, is your contract year up? And is Isaac Robinson going to get the big bag at the end of the season? I have, I have one more year uh, on my current contract with got Prodigy. It. So end of 2024. That's when it ends. Well, I hope they're giving you some some sort of bonuses for two majors <laughs> off your base uh, contract. Yes, yeah, they uh, they worked with me well uh, in the off season this year and gave me a good bit of a raise. So I'm very happy with what awesome. I'm right Very now. nice. Very nice. Uh, to jump into that question about uh, last time, there's been three MPO major wins in a single season. It was Paul Macbeth in 2015. People will uh, notably remember that was five out of five for Macbeth. He did have the grand slam with five majors in a season. Uh, the only other time we've seen an MPO player have three or more in a single season was 2013, also by Paul Macbeth. So exclusive club there. We did see, of course, Kristen Tatar join that club for FPO majors, getting her. That's uh, also exclusive. I think there's a few more. I could run that as well, but. Uh, would be cool to see. And I think a lot of people will be rooting for you to get that one. Yeah. I, I feel like Isaac, I feel like Gannon and Alden, the crew, Gavin, right. They all came around and, and, and um, just really celebrated with you in that moment, which must've been cool. What, what's your immediate reaction to that? Uh, that's something you probably wanted your brother first. And then, you know, you're probably your dad and then your friends, like how, how cool is that? <laughs> Yeah, that's, I think that's the best part of winning these two majors was having the gang and my family just all around me at, at you know, on the green. Um, super special moment. Uh, just seeing their faces and seeing, you know, the crowd behind them. And, you know, my dad was <laughs> with me all five rounds. Uh, it was just, it was just a magical moment um, that, you know, I'll, I'll remember forever. Um, truly, truly special and and you have something it's crazy like i used to listen to this comedian who would like i think it was like who's the guy that walked on the moon was it buzz aldrin or neil armstrong both. <laughs> they walked on the moon both of those guys? yeah both okay. both of them they're just, like just one was first okay this comedian's like you know that's like a social fantasy to be one of them because like people will talk about like they've done something cool and you'll just let them run with it and just talk 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 the me monster right and then you're just like sitting there and you're like take a bite of food and you're like I am a PDGA MPO world champion. <laughs> it's like you can, you can top any disc golf story ever, Isaac, uh, for, besides the other 20 who have done it along with you or those who have done it multiple, but you will like people go, Oh, you know, I shot and I won at my local A tier. You're like, I won a world championship. <laughs> like it, I know that's not, it doesn't seem like that's the type of guy you are, but I'm assuming in your circle of friends, you guys must always jab at each other in different ways. What happened after I'll say it like if it was a stage, the lights went down and you guys were all hanging out at the end of the night. Like, what was that like with, with your group? What were, were you with your group? Like what was being said amongst each other? Yeah, we, uh, we went out to dinner, uh, that night. And I think the first thing that we talked about was the points. <laughs> of course you that, did. <laughs> um, because bef before the round, Gannon was like, all right, this is before anybody teed off. He's like, all right. He's like, 
if if you win and I get sixth, we'll basically be tied in points. And then so that that was the uh, sorry the light went out. That's okay. Um, We're just talking. That was the conversation we had. <laughs> and so then you know of course the the first thing after the tournament was he uh, you know he's just he's so upset about the points. So it makes me love it even more. Um, <laughs> That's all. Well, for what it's worth. I'm not sure exactly when, but Gannon and Cole are here tonight. Whoa! We should just have them jump in and surprise you with a few of their own questions. But uh, I don't know. Can they even hear? They might be listening in the upstairs green room. I can tell them to come down. Yeah, tell them to come down. If they're they they just played around, they're probably sweaty, hot, and they don't want to talk to Isaac, world champion. You know, they're they're trailing in points. I don't want to talk to them either. Yeah, he doesn't want to talk to them. I I won't tell them. They'll come on their own. (laughs) Yeah, if they hear this, they'll come on their own. They they heard that. Hunter, tell them. So. Um, so I figured that was the case and that was kind of where I was leading at is like, you guys know in your conversations off the course, it's, it is a game between you. You know where you stand with points. You guys are going to talk about it. You're like jockeying for those positions for sure. Um, and so there was a conversation last year, Ricky Wysocki made, and I'm just curious to bring it up with your perspective now as a world champion. What do you think's a, a bigger deal? This is a re- probably unfair. <laughs> player of the year slash like tour champion, like player of the year or like winning a world championship. Like, do you have a different perspective now that you've won it? I think my perspective is, is probably the same. Um, Worlds is the, I think, single-handedly the biggest tournament of our sport. And... Uh, is it was like that's kind of the a tournament that sets you apart from everybody else, um, puts you in like a, a an elite club kind of, and it's kind of the only one people care about. Um, talking with people on the road, um, I've me and Gannon have had this conversation many times where it doesn't really matter what you win if you don't win worlds and of course the wins are great and like calvin's having an amazing year gannon won five events insane year um but everybody wants that world's title i think um and i think if you asked you know we've we've had this this conversation where would you rather win five elite series or a world championship and i think everybody would say a world championship there we go okay. that was this that is, was yeah, to clarify ahead. that that is my opinion before winning worlds and it still remains the same <laughs> i think you know now that the disc golf pro tour is a thing and we've been able to have disc golf pro tour championships the finales and all that's a little bit different but if i was to ask matt say hey in 2014 matt who won the national tour title who was the most consistent player on the national tour and won in points let me go back to stat mando it's going to take you a minute you don't know it <laughs> off the top of your head but for most people if you were to say hey who won worlds in 2014 mm-hmm. You have a pretty good idea if you were to say who and i think worlds is a little bit above you as cgc just because that is what oh hold on what, yeah sit tight i'm you, saying that he as, has a, yeah okay this is getting out Wait of control a there's a world champion in the call we're interviewing there's a us dgc champion sitting a couch across yeah. boom okay does your microphone no. work gannon you're on hello hello yes it does all right can you can you hear isaac gannon <clears throat> i can yes do you have anything you want to say to this man um I hope that when it comes down to the points of MVP, that we get like 35th and 40th. That'd be funny. <laughs> so just completely it's, just like, it's just like a, it's just like a, a big battle for points, but 
literally nobody cares because we'll be in like tenth card. <laughs> yeah, we both suck, <laughs> but it matters. It ma- nothing matters more in the world than that battle between us. I was gonna, I was going to say like you know I I was you know I was feeling all right, but Isaac's right. You know my career means nothing now because Isaac's just better forever until I win world title. So <laughs> you know I'm I'm, yeah. I'm gonna win probably like fifteen elite series, but it won't matter because. Isaac's still going to be better than me. I say, Isaac, he did hear all that to where you're like, yeah, it doesn't really matter if you win five elite series in a year, as long as you got the world hey, title. I agree. For it. I agree. I, I think I mean, we said the number was like 15 is maybe I might take 15 elite series, okay. but over a world title, but I think 10, I'd probably still take a world title, man. So uh, did you catch this Gannon? We were talking about one of the first things you brought up to Isaac when you went out to dinner after Isaac won was, Hey, the points. Is that, is that true? You guys like to talk points. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, I think that was like the main thing that came to my head because honestly it sucks. Cause Isaac told me like probably two or three months ago, <laughs> I was always telling him like, yeah, it's not going to matter. You know, it's not going to matter. Like, what happens because i'll still beat you in points he's like i'm gonna win worlds it's not gonna matter and then he won worlds and now i'm really mad (laughs) (laughs) it's like you know it's it's uh (laughs) it's such a weird thing because i'm very very competitive i know some people play disc golf for like other reasons but for me i just want to like win and be better than other people i guess um that's like because i just because i'm so competitive and to just like not be the best in the friend group anymore it it hurts man (laughs) i mean it all depends what do you consider the consisting of the worlds it seems like all you guys and your friend group consider the the world nobody cares about here here's what i am as a talk show guy for this topic i feel like there's a conversation to be made for ganon Mm -hmm. uh, of course and i think what's happening right now is ganon is actually being extremely respectful and friendly to the person who just won worlds (laughs) we'll wait a week We'll have him back on and we'll hear that conversation yeah. again. Isaac, I got a I got a question for you. And Gannon kind of just brought this up where he said, oh, yeah, I'm going to win Worlds. When in your mind did you start manifesting that? Like, hey, this is the year in 2023 that I'm going to be a one-time world champion. <laughs> I think when I saw the schedule um, for Smuggler's Notch and that it was going to be held there, mm-hmm. I really liked my chances. Uh, I have a better chance than uh, anywhere else on tour, I think at those courses mm-hmm. and since the beginning of the season i was just like you know this sets up perfectly i want to you know i think i have a good chance and i just started telling people that i was going to win and i think yeah, like right after and i forget i forget when we started talking points but i was like you know gannon it does you know sure you don't have you know i have i have a major i have two majors on my points and you don't but it's just not going to matter because I'm just, I'm just going to win worlds. And I think that, like you said, was like three months back. Um, and so I'm happy that, uh, happy that came true. <laughs> um, how many, how many worlds have you played in now? This is my third. Third. You're the ones being, I think yep. we were talking about this last week. Was one of them Georgia back in 2017? Yep. Okay. And then what was the last one? Yes, it was last year. Uh, last year. Okay. Up in up at DDO. I was going to ask you yeah. what your favorite, besides for this one, what your favorite worlds has been, but I think it's pretty tough. It's two completely different types of world championships compared to 2017 and 2022. Yeah. So I think maybe we'll ask that in a couple of years after, you know, Virginia's next year and then whoever gets it after that. But, um, have you made it to yeah. Prince Edward Island? Are you on the property for the, uh, Hillcrest course? 
It's not We're actually stopping at Acadia National Park. Okay. Yeah. It's not, unfortunately. Yeah, it's not Hillcrest this um, year, Nick. Gotcha. We're stopping okay. in. Okay, I did not know that. Um, did that yeah. change recently? Or was yeah. Well, there, there was a little bit of a, I don't want to make it too too happy, but it was like a dramatic thing between, my, my understanding is Discmania and the course owners and baskets and all that kind of stuff. So I think they are not playing there this year. Um, but gotcha. let me ask this question, uh, Isaac. I don't think we, if we did ask this, I apologize. We had a lot of tech stuff going on, as you know, and so I don't want to be redundant. But coming down the final stretch, the live audience is watching cameras go back and forth between a handful of players on the chase card. Um, were you aware? I'm assuming your caddy or somebody was helping you be aware, but were you aware of what was happening or did you not care? <laughs> oh, I cared. I was very aware. Um, the people, I mean, Eagle and Matteo and AB, they, they were shredding the course. And I, I, I'm going to admit, I was feeling a little comfortable after hole 10 um i was feeling like all right this is you know smooth sailing from here i, I got it and then i parred the next two which are very easy birdie holes um especially where my drive landed on 11 and then i screwed up hole 12 so after that i was like oh crap i have to actually hunker down and focus and bring it home um yeah, they, I mean, it's so hard playing against people that you can't see. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're just watching scores in every hole. Park for birdie, park for birdie, circle one, circle one, circle one. And it's just like, come on. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so it was, uh, yeah, I was very aware and watched the scores, basically the whole back nine. To jump into specifically, did you know what was happening on hole 12? Uh, it was a little bit of a backup. Uh, there was two Eagles uh, by, it was Barella and McMahon, if I'm uh, mm -hmm. not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And then you get up to that tee, and I, if, if I'm correct, you went OB, but I think you still ended up saving your par on that hole. But yep. uh, it, before the tee shot, did you know that they eagled? Did you know that there was pressure there? And then after you did it, went OB, was there any additional, like, I, I really got to get this? Yeah, I got to watch them drive the hole, and then I, of course, saw their upshots as well. So I did know that they got the eagle, and as soon as I threw OB, I was like, well, it's a two-stroke game now. Uh, I know it was two strokes to, to those guys. Yeah. So walking off of 12, like, where the was the pressure, like, a lot heavier than it was walk, uh, walking off of 12 compared to walking into 12? Yes. The... I was, I looked, you know, my dad told me, he's like, just get three more birdies and you'll be fine. <laughs> and I was like, all right, so, sounds good. And then I started thinking about the holes ahead and I was like, man, so many things can go wrong. You know, one bad tree kick, one bad roll away mm -hmm. and, you know, birdie opportunities turned to turn into bogeys. So it was, uh, it was a very stressful whole stretch of holes from 13 <clears throat> to 17. Yeah. So my, my question is how... Like 15 and 16, I actually saw you throw um, in person. How did you keep so calm, cool, collected on those? Because like you said, especially 15, backhand is a tight gap. It's normally a sidearm hole, but what, was it just muscle memory or were you just like, like just walk me through that. How did you calm the nerves to execute those shots pretty much perfectly? Yeah, I, man, I don't even know. I just focused on my aiming point 
and just throwing one shot at a time. And I just, you know, got it as best as I could to where I was aiming at. And the shot on 15 was a little, little sideways. And then, um, 16 tee shot is probably my favorite shot to throw into golf for. It's just a dead straight mid the whole way. Mm -hmm. So I felt pretty confident on that. Um, and I'd hit it in practice rounds. So it was feeling good. Then you know, did a birding that hole too, which is even more <laughs> impressive from circle one, just cause 16 is an absolute dog of a hole um, with AB mm -hmm. and Matteo, I think also getting the birdie on that hole. So it was a lot of pressure going back and forth. It was actually very fun to watch you just live scoring, but then also bounce back and forth between AB's card, Paul's card and your card, being able to see it all happen at once. Have, yeah. I was going to say Eagle again, you're not watching coverage, but Eagle threw long on 16 mm -hmm. Uh, on his drive. How many times have you ever done that, Isaac? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how many times people do that, but Eagle did it. Absolutely zero. I, that's the first one I've ever seen. I okay. Think. Yeah. That's insane. It was insane. So yeah. you come down to 18, you talked about what that feeling was right at the top of this interview. Your second shot was your heart pounding. Did you feel like that shot came out like just super like weird right through the tree? Or was it like that was the miss? <laughs> that was the miss you wanted to make? Or like what, what were your thoughts? Uh, it was it was dumb. It wasn't even the shot I wanted to throw. <laughs> I had told my dad I was going to just take an A2 uh, to the right of that tree and just drop it right past it. And he talked me out of it. He was like, well, what do you, you know, how you just go straight. And I was like, oh, like I'm, you know, so it was just a shot that I didn't focus on. And it was one that I just didn't want to throw in the first place. And it just, it just came out so bad. So I, I was so nervous. It was, okay. I just threw it. Interesting. I, as long as it stayed in bounds, I, I didn't care where it went. I so, think, I think I've done that yeah. to a few of my uh, sons at the world championships themselves. I'd be like, try this shot. They're like, no, no. Like, I don't like that shot. And I'm like, it's the right shot. And like over time, I've just realized they know what shot that feels good yeah. to them. But, and your dad, dad's probably an excellent, and you, you talked so highly of him and I don't want to undermine his, his opinions there either. But, um, you, you probably were aware you could have went OB twice. Is that correct? Or would that, would that have been too much? I think that would have, I would have had to make a good putt. After okay. That. I mean, if he went, let's say, obviously this didn't happen. Let's <laughs> say he went OB right off the tee pad. We have a very interesting oh, whole eighteen coming pad. up. Yeah, that I would've, think yeah. as players yeah. have learned over the years, playing whole yeah. eighteen fox run as make the final sure hole, you cross in, cross in bounds, and if anything, go OB left. Kristen Tatar, yeah, went OB left. She had a much bigger lead to be able to play with. Don't get me wrong. But going OB left on that hole because you're at least advancing down the fairway compared to going OB right. right. So if anything, I feel like uh, most players have that mindset going into that. Um, I got one final question from my side of things unless something else comes up. But um, teeing off at 3.30 in the afternoon, competing for a world championship, what are you doing to get your mind right before all that. I mean, that's a late tea time. That's later in the day. Some people wake up, they take a nap, they eat lunch. They don't know if they should eat breakfast. It's, it's kind of a crazy time to go out and play disc golf and not really do anything before that. So what is the preparation like going into that final round? Yeah. I yeah. I was super fortunate. Um, my grandmother has a cabin about an hour and a half away from smugglers notch. Mm -hmm. um, and it's right on the lake. So each morning I just, I just got up, uh, each night I was driving back to the cabin, um, hour and a half drive. And each morning I just woke up, got coffee, read, read a little bit, did 
some fishing, uh, listen to music, and just didn't even try, just try to think about the rounds at all. And then around 12, I just got in my car, drove to the course, and then just started the warm-up process. So it was, uh, it was very nice to have a place where I could focus on other things. I could have a good time with family um, and just kind of relax uh, at the lake. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, that was what I was doing with my morning. I got and not and just not thinking about the rounds. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I got one final question. This actually kind of bounced off of it. Is uh, now that you are a world champion, your kind of fame in the sport of disc golf is going to increase by tenfold as it is already being a major champion, multiple elite series winner. Um, how has that been? Kind of becoming a famous person in the sport of disc golf. What does that like? What does that mean to you? Yeah, it means a lot, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I'm getting used to it, um, and it's hard in some ways because I want to be genuine and connect with each person that either messages me, or talks to me, or you know, sign a disc. I want to make a connection and, and get to know that person and interact with them, um, and it's harder to do when you have the the amount of people um, messaging you talking to you mm-hmm. um and so it's it's trying to find that balance between like the right amount of of connection and you know being genuine with the people and then also you know kind of you know <laughs> not like putting up a barrier but you know hold them back a little bit mm-hmm. um so i'm trying to find that balance and right now i have uh, gosh i don't even want to know how many unread messages in messenger and mm. instagram it's I'm scared to I'm scared to look, but <laughs> it's uh it's it's one of the best things about what we do. So yeah, uh, you know I'll, I'll get get around to those eventually. But okay, Very cool. yeah, that's it's definitely a little bit of a challenge. Uh, trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We got another guest sitting here in studio that said they have a question for you. So let's go ahead and bring them in to ask a question. Oh, two guys. Here we go. But he's got the microphone and Gannon's eating tacos. Oh, oh, Wonderful. Oh, <laughs> Gannon's eating tacos live, everybody. Okay, Cole, what do you got for Gannon? All right. So I mean, uh, for Isaac. So uh, Isaac, can you hold that microphone? Just a hair close. There you go. Is that better? Boom. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Uh, so Isaac, I know I'm yeah. sure and you oh, know okay. about Gannon is something he thinks a lot about is technique. And I know I think about a lot about technique, um, especially in coming into pressure situations. I'm just thinking about that for you uh, as far as like when you think of coming down the stretch of Champions Cup or even Fox Run where there's some wooded holes coming down towards the end. um, You know, you have a very simple uh, straight back and straight through form. And I'm wondering if that's something that you ever think about um, or if you mess up a shot in a pressured situation, are you just like, oh, I overthought that one? Or were you like, oh, maybe I stood up the shoulders too much, or maybe I did something a little bit wrong in the swing? Is there ever ever anything that you think about um, in the way that you throw that could impact you coming down the stretch of a tournament? Or in, in, in your mind, is that something that is kind of all mental? Uh, for me, it's, it's all mental. I think uh, I don't think about my form. Uh, when I'm throwing in a tournament, I I just look at where I'm aiming. I make sure I'm aligned on the tee pad, that my hips are facing the right way, and I pick my aiming spot and I just throw. Um, so there's no technique thoughts, no swing thoughts uh, during a tournament. <laughs> Is that something that you're working on throughout the season, or like are you thinking about that during your practice rounds and or field work sessions, or is that an off season thing where it's like, you know, yeah, this is what I got to work on. 
Uh, it's to the point where I've put in enough field work um, that I know like how each shot feels. Um, so it's all like I said, it's just all mental and it's all just feel mm -hmm. um, for me. So I my body knows what to do and I just trust it in those situations. Okay. Okay. Does that we, answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay. So what we're gonna do because we've held Isaac way longer than we told him we would, and we appreciate that so much from him. Uh, we've asked him a lot of questions. We're going to let him go. We do have Gannon and, and Cole here in studio. We'll continue with the questions and, and uh, conversation for sure. In regards to Worlds, we involve Stat Mando, a lot of other things. Um, is there anything we missed, Isaac, that you're like, dude, it was just waiting there for you guys to ask, and you didn't ask it? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I think you guys covered it. All right. All right, cool, dude. Uh, good luck up there in Canada, and we'll see you back down here in this neck of the woods. Maybe we'll be able to catch up, maybe in studio. We'll see what happens, see what your schedule's like, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks for coming on, man. Enjoy. Sounds good. Thank you guys so much. All Peace. right, peace out. Isaac Robinson, world champion, 2023, one time. Isaac Same. Robinson. Yeah, it's Isaac crazy. Robinson. All right, so what we're going to do here, because I don't know what we're going to do, but we just have to go full screen on them whenever they talk or whatever. So, intern Ben, you good on that? Yeah. Okay. I think, I think Cole's going to be a permanent host after that question. Yeah, the people loved that question. Evan, earlier, mm -hmm. you said that you're going to kind of dip out after the Isaac interview. Are there any cool stats before we let you go? Are there any cool stats about the world championships in the 2023 that we can talk about? Yeah, well, one I wanted, I mean, we got to let Isaac go. So we didn't get to ask him, but it's a good discussion for us to have. Mm -hmm. But the difference between a one course major and a multi course major or events as a whole, Isaac beat the field by, I believe, five strokes to Champions Cup. So he obviously mm -hmm. was the best best player at WR Jackson over four rounds. Mm -hmm. uh, over three rounds at Fox Run and two rounds at Brewster Ridge, he wasn't the best at either course. He wasn't even uh, like one short. He was two strokes short of the best at Brewster Ridge, and he was four strokes short of the best at Fox Run. Now, it, it might have been uh, one or two better if he didn't have the lead solidified, but still, mm -hmm. he wouldn't have gotten the, the best score at Fox Run. So... Uh, how that changes the question and like of, of course it's the easy one is you're a more complete player if you uh win at a you know two core uh two event oh my goodness i'm all over the place a two course event yeah. uh so i, I want to hand this over to cole radolin because he just won at ledgestone about a month ago which pretty similar to smugs as far as uh course setups uh what that means to win uh, an event when you don't win either course <laughs> were you paying attention cole were yeah, you paying attention I, in class i'm leaving <laughs> i'm leaving that open-ended well but cole, I, pretty much i can you can you say what you mean by not winning on either course like not yeah, shooting so the hot round I, isaac oh. robinson was two strokes if you combine scores across rounds isaac robinson was two strokes behind chris clemens uh at brewster ridge mm -hmm. he was four strokes behind eagle eagle mcmahon at fox run so he didn't win either course but of course he was the best player between the two uh by enough margin to win um so he, he was the best player throughout the whole event, but wasn't the best player at either course. Um, so I, I, I can look it up for Ledgestone for you as well. You might have been leading at either course or both. Uh, but what are your thoughts on being the best player throughout an event, but not the best player at a specific course? Yeah, I don't I don't think that matters at all for as far as I mean, the part part of the tournament is playing both courses uh, very well and consistently well. Um, yeah, I don't think like. You know, I mean, I, I think I had the second best average on Brewster. I went 18 under on Brewster and Chris Clemens went 20 under on Brewster. 
and you know i still took 22nd in the event and so it's like you can play really really well on one of those courses but you need to be able to play well on both of them uh in order to win the tournament i don't think it i don't i, I honestly don't think it matters a whole lot if if i were to shoot the best at northwood and not at eureka and lose the tournament um, i don't think anybody would really care uh, and I don't really think I would care for myself. So I, I definitely think by the end of the, at the end of the day, the entire tournament is surrounded by those two courses, not, not just playing on one of them. Uh, that's great. I, I was, I was kind of implying the other way. I, I was, is it more of a win, um, to win at both? I, I, I guess I phrased it kind of bad because I was saying he didn't win either course, but that's not <laughs> what I meant to say. It wasn't gotcha. earned. Um, and, and Cole, just to share more, I mean, it's kind of unrelated, uh, but we had three people shoot 19 down on Brewster, James Proctor, Zach Arlinghouse, and Alden Harris. <laughs> uh, but yes, you were 18 down right at the top as well. Yeah, never mind. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think it, sure. It, it adds <laughs> to that man. It adds to, it adds a nice, it adds a nice ring to the, to the event, but at the end of the day, you only care about the W. So yeah. As a, uh, as professional disc golfers and you guys talk about points with all your friends and everything but are you are you after your rounds looking at you know any records that you could have broken or any stats that you could have made at that event are you thinking about those things afterwards i think definitely after the fact i mean what about i think after after the fact yeah you're not not in the moment you're like oh if i birdie this hole i mean i was, I was thinking about that at eureka mm -hmm. coming down 18 i'm like oh if i birdie this i could beat the course record uh, which I attempted to do, but a branch got in my way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's a cool thing to think about when you can on the course. But at the end of the day, you're definitely focused on the primary goal of being number one. Yeah, Alden talks about how he's averaged like 1075 over like his last three rounds at Brewster or maybe four rounds. Um, I remember like Green Mountain Championships last year. He started off like I think he was in like 80th place after round two. And then he ended up getting like 11th or something because he went like went like 12 or 13 at Brewster and then some something incredible at Fox as well so he always he always kind of talks about stuff like that um for myself I, I think it's kind of cool just to have like course records like random stats like that mm -hmm. maybe you're averaging really high rated or um how much you beat the field by so kind of just like random stuff like that it's kind of just fun to remember and um can sometimes even push you to play better sometimes how big's your friend group that you guys consistently hang out and travel with um I don't know, like we have like a kind of a core group of uh, friends, uh, which I technically probably say just like, I mean, I, I hate to leave people out um, like me, Isaac, Alden, Gavin, Ezra. Um, but then we also have like Cole, Silas, Sully, um, just I can't Randon, Justin. I can't even like name them all because yeah. there's so many of them. Well, uh, your your core group of friends. You have multiple majors now and you multiple elite series events throughout all of you. It's actually kind of funny. I'm talking to people that are directly to my right. So if I kind of go like this, it's because I feel weird making eye contact. <laughs> That's fine. But Make eye contact. As I'm making eye contact with the chat as well. Um, how does it stay? And maybe it hasn't, but how does it stay friendly between you guys after events, during events? Is there times where someone's pissed at one another for something or... You know, not, I, I don't want to say jealousy. That's kind of a, a harsh word, I would say. But how how does the friend group kind of keep going? All in good fun, I'm sure. All in What's good your fun. Answer? But yeah, no, I'm definitely I want to. <laughs> there could be text. Times, yeah, because yeah. because we're also talking about a very young core of people. And, you know, <clears throat> let's hear it. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Honestly, I feel like there's definitely jealousy, no matter how honestly I feel like we like look at it. There's always going to be like, you know, someone's, you know, a little jealous like maybe like obviously we all want to win that's that's obviously our, all our goals so like 
I think no matter what what you do, there's always going to be that factor. Um, I think like just trash talking each other, like after the fact, is probably my favorite part. Um, or my one of my favorite things we, to do is like when we play with like one of the people from the friend group is just talk about like how bad a shot was we threw during the round, like just saying like, oh yeah, that was a great shot, and it was just like the worst shot the hole's ever seen, or like just like a terrible decision making or something. I know, like, I said a couple, like, pretty funny things just because I was, like, mad at something, and uh, I just said, like, something funny, and then to bring it up afterwards, it's just kind of funny as well, so, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, it's uh, there's just so many different things being said, and I don't know, I mean, there's obviously always going to be that, we all kind of want to win, so, and since we're all, kinda. you know, we all do want to win, and we're all, you know, we're all, like, right up there, we're all, like, 10, 30 plus, so, we obviously all do have a chance to win every tournament. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, give us your thoughts, Cole, and then we got something else. Yeah, I think, I think it for me, I think it's important to just realize that we're all out here playing at the top level of the sport. And so it, um, I guess for me personally, how I evaluate it is like, you know, realizing that, you know, all of us are at the top of the game. So all of us can beat each other on any given weekend. Whoever's having the better weekend is going to beat each other. But um, you know, knowing like, you know, I can beat Gannon any week and he can beat me any, any week. Um, you know, of course there's going to be this side thing of like, I want to have more wins than somebody I want to have, um, you know, I'd be talked about more than somebody. And, uh, I just think that that kind of comes from a place of, uh, yeah, competitiveness and wanting to edge each other out. And, and you need that in order to play at the top of the sport in disc golf. Um, but at the end of the day, I just definitely try to think about it as like, you know, the last thing you want to be doing is this job and, and this lifestyle on your own. Mm -hmm. Um, and the only thing that, you know, a lot of jealousy or, um, just wanting what other people have or have achieved, um, is, is only going to, you know, tear you down and it's not gonna, it's not gonna better you for yourself. You know, we're all in different stages. We're all traveling in different vehicles and, and Airbnbs or RVs or vans or you know, all these different things. All these situations are different. We've all grown up differently. We've all came into the sport differently. So um some of us have maybe been set up for success a little bit better than others. And, you know, that's nothing personal on anybody else, but it's just the way that life is. And so I think um, you know, for somebody to win over somebody else or um or not, I just think, you know, you kind of take a step back and just continue to try to build each other up and be happy for each other um, as much as you want to beat them. Uh, but also continue to love on each other as brothers throughout the entire process. Mm-hmm. And for our next guest, bring in Alden. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> People in the chat's going, bring in Alden. I'm Alden, like, no, Alden said, hey, everybody's, chat, okay. so. everybody's not here at, at this studio at this time. Uh, we're going to continue on with conversations, obviously involving two of the greatest players in disc golf. However, we want to let you know about something really cool and we've never done this before so we want to send you over to a place called disc golf pins have you ever heard of disc golf pins if you haven't you're missing out you can rep your favorite players a lot of different brands uh unique moments in disc golf disc golf pins makes you something that you can carry proudly on your bag and now you will be able to add the nick and matt show to your pin collection and if you do not currently have any pins what are you waiting for? Uh, go over there, check it out. The link is in our YouTube stream right now. It'll also be in the post-production for all of our podcast listeners. The link will be there. We are doing a pre-order. This matters to us. We know that there are a lot of people out there who are happy to be listeners and supporters of the show. Please take a moment to go ahead and support the show in this way. Visit the link 
and get a Nick and Matt show pin. They will be actually on site at MVP Open at Maple Hill. So you'll be able to check out their full collection and get something immediately for you to display. Um, They're also going to have something for the new world champ. We just interviewed Isaac Robinson. That is coming soon. And then here, as the months approach into the Halloween season, they're going to have some special Halloween pins coming early October. Again, check them all out, discgolfpins.com. But head over to the link, check out what ours looks like, or go to discgolfpins.com and search Nick and Matt, and you'll see the pre-order. Please, let's show this order what can happen. There's a lot of you out there. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm begging you. Yeah. Yeah. And we also, you know, it's funny, the Nick and Matt show, we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Uh, The Nick and Matt show crew got some new bags. So we got brand new bags to put brand new disc golf pins on. So I'm pretty freaking excited about that. True. Um, Evan, do you have any more stats for us before we let you go? Yeah, I I got a few. <laughs> I'm what? still here. Uh <laughs> yeah. Uh I got a few. Um I would love to hear some opinions on them, but I'm gonna run through all of them first mm-hmm. and then uh y'all can talk about what you want. Um first off to round out Isaac Robinson's win. Uh it's a second major, as we know. It's 133 days since his first major, which if you just look at the time difference in days between any MPO player's first major win compared to the second major win, it is the shortest of all time at 133 days. Um, it, it, I actually didn't even look this up, but it may be the only time that it's been in the same year, your first two major wins, but, uh, I'm not going to say that it may not be true. Uh, but at 133 days, it is the shortest. Uh, I wouldn't know if that's even worth being a cool stat or not, but to move on real quick, uh, Anthony Brella finished in second. That's his first podium at a major of his career. His seventh place at European open earlier this year tied his bests. So now he, uh, was better on his best to make his new best. Uh, and then tied to round out the podium in MPO, we have Eagle McMahon and Matt Orum. I mentioned Eagle McMahon shot the uh, hottest on Fox run at 32 down, uh, three strokes clear of anyone else at just that course. Um, he's been doing great at majors, but the only player who's had more top fives uh, in the last two seasons at majors is now Maddie O, who has five top five finishes at majors. Uh, in the last two seasons, uh, Eagle McMahon is tied with Calvin Heinberg with four, who also finished in fifth. Uh, but Matty O um, with five majors, the only major he hasn't gotten a top five at in the last two seasons is European Open both times, which one he competed in and got, I think it was 15th or 16th. And the other one being 2022, he did not compete in. Uh, so pretty cool feat for him. Uh, he also sets uh, the record. That was already his own record for the uh, longest gap between your first major podium and your, sorry, your first world's podium and your most recent world's podium at 18 years. Cause he first did it in, that would go back to 2005, uh, which we've all seen the clips of that doing in the A-Rod Jersey, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'll uh, wrap up in FPO. We all knew Kristen Tatar won. There are so many accolades with her winning. Um, Going for that major sweep, she's won three in a year, now uh, four straight. The last time that an FPO player won four straight majors with Juliana Corver, which ended in 2000, uh, and a few being in the 90s. So Tatar is the first one to do it this millennium. And she wins back-to-back worlds for the first time since Val Jenkins did it in 08 to 09. She also won in 07, which was a three-peat, but the back-to-back part most recently happened in 08 to 09. Uh, and then lastly, Missy Gannon finishes in second place. As of now, her event rating is 998. Uh, that's of course unofficial ratings will process if it, I believe it's the first Tuesday of every month. So we'll see what the event rating, uh, is finalized at, 
Uh, but if it holds or is better, it'll be the best uh, runner-up uh, event rating at Worlds ever for FPO, which would be really cool to see. I believe, let me double check here, I think Hannah Blomrus held it from last year. Uh, yes, last year she set the record at 996. So as of now, uh, Missy Gannon has it by two. She was playing phenomenal as mm -hmm. well. Uh, and there is a 12-stroke gap between first and third, uh, which is pretty sizable. So uh, that's all I got. You know, I, I'll, I'll listen back and love to hear uh, <laughs> thoughts on that afterwards. Right. But uh, I'll see you all next week. Awesome. All right, take Thanks, it easy, Evan. Evan. As always, appreciate it. All right. We let Evan go. We have one more really cool product that we love talking about. We use over at the Nick and Matt show all the well i can speak for myself because i only know my game but i reach into the bag oh everyone's giving thumbs up around the room so i reach into my bag for dg max wax and this is the summer blend this my friends it has the smell that you need to smell for yourself but it actually increases my skill of my game i'm convinced I, the grip does the yeah. smell it's just a bonus <laughs> <laughs> but DG, DG Max Wax, you know what I'm going to do? And there's there's no paid advertising here, but Tech Disc is something that we may tease out here in the future. Mm -hmm. You might see a review video from us. But Tech Disc, and I'm going to include Max Wax and a group of throws with Tech Disc and see the RPM. Yeah. And I'm going to do it without DG Max Wax. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to put lotion on and see what it is with Ooh, lotion on my hands. Idea. So we can just really get a really big contrast and like, hey, maybe we try lotion and then DG Max Wax over that just to see like if it's it possible that DG Max yeah. Wax is that incredible. Exactly. And interesting. Okay. DG Max Wax, go over and check it out. What's the, there's a deal going on right yeah, now. Yeah. $35 or more, free shipping. Wonderful. Free shipping is always yeah. a win. And they have multiple different blends of it. So you don't have get to get a few summer yeah. right now. You got multiple different blends. Get all they three. Also the Snapstick, um, which is one yeah. of our favorites uh, here at the Nick and Macho. We used that for you know a while um, before it ran out. Get, so get the original blend. Get the summer blend. Get the winter blend. Change yeah. them out as the seasons go on. The, exactly. the actual mini size should last you a long time. Mm -hmm. So go ahead and take advantage of that free shipping. Okay. I mean, let's, uh, let's ask the pros in the room. You guys use any sort of grip enhancers <laughs> or just more lick so your fingers? dry bags? You know, yeah, I use what you, dry bags. Uh, shut up, Ben. Oh, <laughs> these guys. Darn it. Cole and Gannon, hey, what you hold on. Got? I'm going to toss this product to you just so you can feel it for yourself. This is the summer blend, by the way. You do not have to say anything about it at all. You're not obligated to. I mean, what does it smell like, first of all? What is that smell? We've tried to talk about it. Pizza, bro. <laughs> it's pizza. Leather, new car, cinnamon. It's pizza. It's hard. Have you smelled anything like that before? <laughs> I, I can't tell what it is. I, yeah. I've, I've Cole, smelled Cole's it. also Cole's also sucking on a Jolly Rancher, so he's probably got a raspberry or blueberry <laughs> smell going so on funny. too. Like Indian food. Indian food. This is so okay, funny. Like the, like every I episode, I, I, I can, I see where you're going. Every episode, well, going. we don't know what the smell is, but it's not yeah. bad. I'll tell you that. We much. can we can just ask the guys over at DG Max Wax. We There's a name for it. Again. It's Summer Delic. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Summer Delic. That's the name. Well, anyways, we'll go back to uh, Grip Enhancers. Talk to us a little bit throughout the season. You guys are playing in all different weather conditions. What do you guys use? Nothing, probably. We know again. Not, not so yeah. much Grip Enhancers, excuse me. More so like, what That's are you doing more to tacky. keep your That's hands? That's the winter blend. So what are you it's more, more so like... doing to keep your hands good? Yeah. Um, well, if it gets <laughs> super humid, then I just use a towel. Because, um, well, towel mixed with my chump chalk bags. Um, so people have seen me kind of... <laughs> Start my own trend of, you can't, 
of like checking the wind. Um, Cole's climbing the wall like a gecko, gecko right now. <laughs> this. Um, yeah, I've seen actually a lot of players recently, like just within the la- within the last year, like start to check the wind with their their chalk bag now. So maybe I started something new. I, I think it. I think it's somewhat smart. You know, it, it helps. Um, it's really easy to kind of visualize it, especially for me with being <clears throat> such a, like a technical player. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm very specific with what, like whatever the conditions are. So I need to know like exactly what it's doing. So I know how to throw my disc and then commit to that line. Uh, but yeah, I, I just use, uh, I just use a, a chalk bag, yeah. chump chalk bags with uh, tons of powder in it. So um, what I like about the, the chump chalk bag is that it's, it's, there's a lot of like chalk, but it's not, like slippery i feel like there's a lot of chalk out there chalk companies that mm. when you put it on your disc it all like your hands dry but it's also like slick it's like a talcum powder it's like a baby like, yeah, baby yeah. powder i don't know yeah it's like <laughs> slick and then so but the chump chalk um i know it's i've actually got a lot of uh i know a lot of the touring pros are actually using it now uh me gavin babcock aaron gossage huh. um paul uliberry drew gibson like we're 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 really loving the chalk bags um and they've they've been amazing so far and i I mean, I play all my practice rounds without a chalk bag, but when it comes to tournament time, I I like to just be a little more careful yeah. with what I'm trying to do. Absolutely. Why, why is that? Just because practice rounds don't matter. <laughs> is it a nerve thing? Like, do you think your hands get sweatier because of the nerves, or do you think it's you know? I th- I think it's like in the moment, if my hand like in practice, if my hands like sweaty and it get my like hand kind of gets sticky on a putter, I'm like you know whatever I can still put it. This uh-huh. putt doesn't mean anything, but um, I don't want to like like pull a putt right or something or have it slip out left and be like, Oh, it's cause I didn't have any chalk on my hand. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe I know, I know a lot of players don't use chalk, but, um, you know, just something to try out for myself. And I, I've pretty much liked it ever since I started. Ben, yep. I, got a, I, I got a question. Did you hear what he said about his practice rounds? That they don't matter. They really don't matter that much. There you go. So you got to keep your mindset in a practice round. <laughs> oh, if you I don't miss- know if I've ever played a legit practice round ever. Wow. You don't score your practice rounds? Oh, I mean, yeah, but like... Oh, I score them too. I like never do like... But it's not I like his best round. Fully yeah. dressed, perfectly. There you go. Chalk bag, perfect warm up. Like, yeah. I've never ever done that. Maybe I should. Yeah. Maybe I'll get to a better level. Practice your breathing. I, I was thinking about that. Like, what if I pra- <laughs> What if I did my every practice round the same exact way I do all my tournament rounds? Huh. You're gonna have to get some more shirts. You'll be a world champion. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so. Good thing no one cares about that tournament. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> All right, yeah, no one cares. <laughs> no one cares. All right. Go so ahead, yeah, you, you got, got some. You got well, I, was just, I was just gonna say that I I prefer not to use chalk, but the chump chalk bags that he uses is also what I use. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's that perfect balance between grip mm-hmm. and slickness that you want your disc to be. It, it kind of like soaks up the moisture, and I definitely get sweaty hands. Yes. Um, during tournaments, so that definitely helps. Yeah. So I, I've look, actually never heard of them chump chalk bags, and we're kind of giving them. <laughs> Free shout out right now. You know, hit us so, up. We'll we'll yeah, do some ads for you. Up. Here's what I wanted to say is just to close out that conversation on DG Max Wax. They also support and recommend dry bags. Now, whether it's chump chalk or whatever, it's getting your hands dry. It's important. This is a grip enhancement product where you actually can increase your RPM. And like I said, again, we someone was shouting you out, and I think it was Overthrow in their most recent video. They said, because they just got the results from Worlds on the tech disc, and they did a video, and they were talking about all your throws, this and that, and I'd be interested with DG Max Wax. We can do it whenever. I've got tech disc here as well. 
we can check and see if you actually can get more RPM. It'd be really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and then in follow-up before we move to our next topic, do you guys like sour gummy worms at all? Check, have you ever had these kind? These literally changed my mind on like what the best gummy worms in the world are. So I'm going to toss it. Oh no. Oh God. <laughs> it's like a five pound bag. But a lot of fingers. Just I, can't, I can't lie. I was feeling pretty confident. And then I looked microphone. Right into the light. I looked straight into the light whenever I tried catching it. I Blinded well, we did. The we did light. all see it live. So okay. you got to so miss that try, live. There's 12 flavors in there. So just if you if you like yeah, it, let me know. It. They're amazing. It, it looks like we got to try all 12. Okay. After just this, see. Yeah. They're actually <laughs> that, incredible. That actually sounds awesome. After this, we're going to want in on this. Have you guys have a. They're so incredible to me. Eat a hot chip. That's kind of what we do on the Nick and Matt show. No, so let's not murder our. Okay, guests. here we go. Next topic. Quick one. Let let's make this a quick one. I know it can get heated in here. Avery Jenkins didn't make it into Worlds. I feel both bummed and also impressed with where the sport's at. Hold up. What? Hold up. So if you're a U.S. champion, you get to play that tournament for the rest of your life. Yes. So this why is don't what we, we are? Yeah. Why don't? Why? Why can't yeah, we have world Cole. champions? Come on. So, you're on so the let right me page. Cole. Let, you let me on the right let me, page. Let me preface this conversation and let you guys bring the the takes. Obviously, that's fine. Currently, that's not how it is, and the reason why the highlight and the spotlight is put on it is because of what happened with Avery not making it in. I feel like this conversation should have happened. 20 years ago or more it should have been a conversation so that it wouldn't happen eventually but we waited until it happened now there may be some of you who have been beating the drum for a while out there saying make this be a thing and actually mm -hmm. i think i have heard this conversation before but it never was uh usdgc does do it gannon's in for life um lucky long life yeah i'm gonna play till i'm 80 80 <laughs> just that'd be awesome um so avery jenkins didn't get in so just short and sweet with that preface of what we currently know, I don't think anybody really here disagrees, but does anybody have a take they want to bring? Cole, what, what do you think? Yes or no? I like, think ab absolutely. Yeah. If you're a okay. world champion, you're a world, you're a world-class proven player and you should be able to play for the rest. I mean, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe once you're, you know, in your sixties or fifties or something, and you'll just be like, you know what? I've served my time. There's no yeah. way I'm winning this year. <laughs> um, I can give my spot to somebody else. Uh, I think there are definitely a point where, you know, you might get old enough and you make the decision for the sake of other people to be able to play the tournament. Um, but I just think that's such a cool part of our history that we can get to see other players like like Climo and Barry and Nate Doss and, and Jen Avery Jenkins, like people who and and um, just other people that who have won those titles that, you know, you want to see come back and play for one tournament, especially the one that's the most important one of the year. Um, so I definitely don't mind them taking taking a spot up in that tournament. Uh, I'm looking at the ratings right now. And Do it. There, there's about, oh my gosh, there's like 958, 40, rated. 50 players under a thousand. And then we're not going to let Avery Jenkins play. Yeah. Yeah. It's messed, this up. Is, it's messed up, man. Yeah. So, so realistically, you're on the same page, I would say, as what I grandfather would assume most them people. Yeah. 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 And I, I actually, I did briefly get to talk to Avery about this at Fall Fest Friday night and um, would love to get more of his thoughts. This is actually something he's been trying to work with the PDJ on. For months, um, this wasn't something that the day before the event, he just was like, oh, my gosh, I'm still not in. Let me bring this up like this. This was an ongoing subject and ongoing conversation that he had. Now, I think this is where I'm going to kind of play devil's advocate. USCGC is a very, very, very selective tournament. You have to qualify for the event. You don't just sign up for USCGC like you signed up for 99 percent of the other tournaments that we have out there. Uh, because of that, you have players like. You know, Ken Climo, Barry Schultz, all these players who, are, you know, 
Gannon Burr will be able to play the USCGC for the rest of their life because they have won that tournament. Now for that, because they have a set number of people that are allowed to play it, when Ken Kleiman goes and plays that event and maybe has to drop out after the first round because of his hip, it's almost not the end of the world because you know going into that event that, hey, there's only 75 spots opened up this year. There's only 80 spots opened up this year. It was up to the rest of the players to qualify for that event somehow, some way throughout the tour. The World Championships, though, is an insanely packed event. There's technically four different pools that play at the World Championships. On the MPO side, there's the A pool and the B pool. On the FPO, FPO side, there's the C pool and the D pool. Now those converge and flip-flop around throughout the first four days events. And then day five, whoever makes a cut gets to play the final round. Um, I would like to say that, you know, if if you're a player like Ken Climo, I think the last time we played USCGC, got to make it a few holes or maybe only the first round and then had to DNF from the event. I don't want to see players being allowed to go to events and then dropping out midway through because even if they know they're going to drop out, you know what I mean? Is this kind of making sense where, yes, I do believe that Avery Jenkins, who is a very healthy player right now, should have been able to play in the world championships and keep the longest active streak of playing world championships alive. But I know at some point when Avery Jenkins is 85 years old, I don't think that he should have a guaranteed spot into the MPO side of the world championships. Absolutely. Now he should have a guaranteed spot into the legends on legends division. I don't really know what 85 and older is called, but <laughs> I don't know. realistically, I do think that while he is a, competitive MPO player. He should be allowed to play. Same thing with Eric McCabe. Eric McCabe is a master's level player, but he's still a healthy player in our sport. It's not like he's DNFing from every single event because of injuries. I also think that he should have a spot at the world championships. Um, just going out to the chat for some odd reason, every so often when I move around, I tonight am having audio or no, no camera audio feed, issues. Excuse me. Camera <clears throat> feed issues. Um, so apologize for that if it's tripping you guys all out on your uh, computers or whatever. All good. So we all agree there. Let's do let's do a little recap here of what happened at Worlds. I we called out last week to Cole and Gannon. We didn't call out to you, but we talked last week in our show about players who are currently ranked top ten in disc golf pro tour standings. Um, is that any of you guys? Let me see. Calvin, Simon, Gannon, Isaac. Yep, Cole. Oh, sorry, Gannon. Yeah, you're here. Okay. So you are. You placed top 10, Gannon? Cole, did you place top 10? At Worlds? Yeah. No. Okay. Absolutely was, not. Yeah, all right. There was, there was a glimmer of hope, right? Like, oh, there's a big glimmer. So you had you've two world championships. This is your best finish, right? Uh, this is my third, actually. This is yes, th- there was two prior to this. This was your yes. third. Your yes. best prior to this was 38th. What did you finish here? 22nd. Okay, so there you go. That's significant. That's 16. 16 places. Um, not the end goal, obviously. Um, can you pull up the uh, the finishers for Worlds? I have yeah. what they did. Uh, let's go back here to look at it. So pull up the finishes. Tell me what happened here. Calvin, where did he finish? I think fifth. Okay, so he adds to his top 10. Uh, my internet is always he has here. eight appearances now, and he has... Um, what do I have here? Seven appearances, sixth place. Oh, what was his place? What did he finish? Fifth place. Okay, so this is his second top 10. It's hard to believe, right? That's his eighth appearance, only second top 10, so good for him. Simon, 
Where did he finish? Simon Lazar, 11th place. Outside of the top 10, he still goes with uh, three times in the top 10. He didn't add to that. Gannon, top 10. So Gannon now you Bird, have three place. appearances. Um, and this is your first top 10. That's correct, right, Gannon? Uh, at Worlds? At yeah. Worlds. <laughs> He's like, I don't know. I was trying to take the microphone. Um, yeah, my first top 10 at Worlds, I got... I think 14th last year. And my first yep. year, I got like 30, 30. 33rd, maybe. Yeah, we should play a game and see if Gannon knows his own stats. I, I think I'm, I'm think I could get pretty much every tournament. You did it. You just did it. So that's this is your best finish as well. So both to you and Isaac. Uh, sorry, Cole and Isaac, of course. So Isaac adds to it. Now he has three worlds. Um, his best was 14th prior to this. Now he won. Good. Kyle Klein, where did he finish? Kyle Klein was also tied for sixth, sixth place. Yeah. So there you go. He has now three appearances. This is his best finish ever. Um, Eagle McMahon. Uh, let's see. His best. Third place. Yep. Sixth was his best prior to this. So he's bested himself. So that's quite a few people right now in the top 10 who have actually got their best finishes mm -hmm. this year. Uh, Anthony Barella. Um, he's had one top 10 finish and five, now six appearances. One top 10, or now two top 10 finishes. Sorry. Mm -hmm. This was his best as well. Uh, James Proctor. 10th place this that counts as a top 10 right yes, this is his first top 10 ever now nine appearances so far if i'm recapping besides simon calvin finished better gannon mm -hmm. finished better isaac finished better cole finished better kyle klein finished better eagle mcmahon finished better no yep yes yep anthony barella finished better finished better james proctor finished better Ricky Wysocki, you can't finish better, so it is what it is. Um, there you go. Did Corey Ellis get a top 20 finish? No. Okay, so he's still on that streak. This is his fifth appearance, not even a top 20. Interesting. And then Paul Macbeth ends the streak that so many were talking about. Mm -hmm. But that's a large percentage. How do you guys feel about that over there? In the top 10 ranked, like as far as like points go in the standings, majority it was like 80 percent. i think actually had their best finishes what what is there to be said about that anything at all um maybe as we get more comfortable just on just being on tour playing more tournaments we're kind of just kind of getting our feel a little bit better i feel like um there's not a whole lot to it but maybe just not letting the pressure get to us uh, at the world championships and kind of just you know knowing that we can all win it at, at some point so you know we all Honestly, there were so many people within a couple strokes that, you know, I, I know everyone, including myself, just had a probably had a couple bad stretches of holes that cost them from winning. And, um, you know, I mean, I think we look at I think there was like eight players that tied or beat Barsby score from 2018. And the course was the course is technically even played about a stroke and a half harder. Yeah. Mm. So Barsby, actually, funny enough, back in the day, I was looking this up last night with Paul. Um, Barsby also won by two strokes. He finished at 40 down overall. And Josh Anthon and Paul Macbeth were at 38 down overall. And kind of same thing with this year. Isaac was able to lay up for a bogey on the final hole, tap in, win the world championships at 46 Must under be par. Nice. With AB <laughs> going in at 44 under par. Yeah. And then Matty O and Eagle McMahon rounding out the top three at 43 under par. Mm -hmm. So, um... But yeah, like you said, I mean, the technically the course has changed actually a significant amount, I think, since 2018. Holes have gotten harder. You could argue that some fairways have actually gotten bigger, maybe a little bit more cleaned out. But the holes themselves actually, I think, are a little bit harder than what they were back in 2018. Just the skill level of players is increasing by that much. 
All right, here comes the FPO. Help me out with this one, too. Mm-hmm. Tatar, five appearances, five top 10 finishes. She's always done that. And two wins. And now two wins. So six appearances and two wins. Mm-hmm. Not bad. But all of them in the top 10, always. Mm-hmm. Um, Missy Gannon. Uh, second place. Okay. This is now her best finish. And she's had five appearances. Now she has three top 10 finishes. And her best is second. Mm-hmm. So she did better as well. So I'm going to give Tatar at least an eat, meet, meets or exceeds there. Yeah. Like she did it. Yeah. So Missy Gannon did it. So that's two there. Uh, Own Scoggins is an asterisk here. Like I don't, I wouldn't say she underperformed. <laughs> um, Hanson, what's her, what was her finish here? Ella Hanson finished at 14th place. Ah, okay. She, she finished out. Her best was 11th previous. Yep. Okay. So no top tens for her still. Nope. Uh, Katrina Allen, this Wow. She finished 24th place. I picked her as my drop last week, and I gave my little disclaimer on, like, it hurt to pick, but it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see her there, and I was just, like, gave her a hug, and I was like, hey, like, we know. <laughs> like, it's it's something you're going through right now. Yeah. Uh, how about Holland Handley? Third place. Yes. So she's done it again. She has back-to-back th- podiums. Three world's appearances and two podiums. That is not a bad record. She's already on the Paul Macbeth record pace. She yeah. has to do it how many more years? Seven yeah. more years? Had to hit that at least. Yeah. Eight more. Okay, eight more. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Sarah Hokum. Sarah Hokum finished in... Oh, baby, this is a big stat here. Uh, Where'd she finish? 38th oh, place. Oh, no. Missed the cash by one oh, stroke. Oh, no. Yep, this is the first one. time she has ever placed outside of the top 10. Did you guys know that? I mean, you're not following it that close, but Sarah Hokum never outside of the top 10 at 11 appearances prior to this. So also, she's been pretty consistent. Like, I always kind of consider her as like, she has a tough time winning, especially these mm-hmm. days with like people throwing a little bit further and mm-hmm. uh, just having more shots. Um, I know she, her back end's gotten a lot better actually and more, a lot more usable, but she's always kind of been like that, that player. I, I just always know is going to get like right around like six to 10th. And then to see her that, that far down is really surprising for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. at a course where we actually have seen a lot of success out of Sarah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just thought that that's a big moment. I should send her a message. Be like, good job over the last 11 or 12 yeah. appearances. Cat um, Merch, where'd she finish? Cat Merch finished in 17th place. Okay, so outside the top 10. So she now has three appearances in one top 10 last year <laughs> in eighth place. So uh, Jessica Weiss. Jessica Weiss. Uh, let's see. She finished in 14th place. Okay. She now has nine appearances and she only still has her four top 10. She doesn't add to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Haley King. Haley King finished in. I just feel bad. I'm like, did I accidentally <laughs> miss their name or am I just not seeing it? It's and telling. You say no, scrolling. I think for Haley, scrolling. I think I actually missed her name. Okay. There we go. 13th place. 13th. As I scroll back okay. up to the top. Yeah, Five 13th. appearances. She still has three top 10 finishes. Fourth is her best. Okay. Uh, let's let's move it into a different topic here. This is fun. I want to involve Gannon and Cole directly in this one. Um, we're just we find the, the music here. Here we go. Let's do some music like this. Hopefully, it shuts off when I want it to. This is called Internet Disc Golf Questions. Intern, intern disc golf questions. Now, here we go. We find random questions on social media that people are asking in a group of disc golfers. We're going to keep the names anonymous. You're not actually answering anything about anything very specific unless you want to. Here's the question. How long is too long for a retailer to ship a disc? 
If you were buying a disc, how long is too long in it? <laughs> like five days. Like to get it in your hand or to oh, ship it? I mean, just like like if they haven't if it hasn't left their facility in five days, it's kind of it's pretty bad. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty bad. Three to five businesses. That's, that's insanely standard. bad. Do you agree, Cole? What's your number? Is you going? I I even say three. I three. Mean, you order you order that thing on a Saturday. Sure, they might not to get get to it Saturday Sunday, but that should be front and center by the time yeah. it gets to a Monday. So yeah, I say three three to four for me. Oh, that's funny. Um, how about this one? During tournament play, we're all familiar with that. Some more than others. Is it worth calling a courtesy violation for excessive swearing? I can understand being a bit upset, but there's no need to swear and rage quit over small mistakes. <laughs> like, what do you think? Is it, is it worth calling a courtesy violation for excessive swearing? I don't know what excessive is, but yeah. there you go. Yeah, I think swearing like where like a lot of people in the crowd could hear it, you know, if, if, if you like whisper under your breath and that's like your own problem, I guess, like, I mean, you're just kind of dealing with it yourself, but if it's kind of like letting out, it's like just not a great look for the sport. I feel like. I think, and I actually appreciate talking about because of the fans and the people around, like for me personally, I've been working construction for a number of years of my life. We hear swearing all the time. It, it's not something that over bothers me now. If you're to swear every single other word, I think you just sound very uneducated. <laughs> I think you sound very dumb sometimes. But uh, I was playing a tournament a few months ago. It was a tea timed uh, B tier. And we had some people that were done with their rounds come hang out and watch around. But there was also kids. And one of the guys on the card was swearing up and down. And one of my friends called him on a courtesy violation. After that, the kid didn't swear one more time. Fortunately, he actually took it like a champ and said, Thank you. I'm sorry. I needed that. He ended up winning a nice A tier mm. like two weeks after that. So I'm happy for him. Let's go find out yeah, who it is. No, I'm kidding. I mean, I, I mean <laughs> you, you could very easily look okay. it up. But uh, yeah, I think for excessive swearing, it happened to Nico. Everybody at, feels G differently, though. So like, here's yeah. here's the thought. I'll let Cole world. If you're on that. a card where well, everybody's doing that, that, like it's not going to be excessive to some people. But to others, it's going to be very excessive. Like if if I'm not swearing at all in my normal conversation or when I'm upset on a shot, it's going to sound excessive. Cole, what do you think? Oh, I was, I was oh the gummy worms. Gummy worms. Um, no, I think they I, are I mean, good. I know for, I know for Gannon and I, we definitely make a, a good point to not, um, to not use foul language on, on the disc golf course. I think it definitely takes away from the professionalism of our sport. Um, you know, whether it's worth it to call a courtesy violation on someone. That was the question. Yeah. Yes. I definitely think that it, it, it's such a tough spot to be because, you know, it's hard for players to even want to enforce little rules like the 32nd rule and foot faults and stuff like that yeah. on the course already. Uh, and to add that weird dynamic just because of someone's um, verbal actions on the course, I I think it's a really tough place to be. But I definitely agree with what Gannon said. If it's more like a muttering under the breath, just, you yeah. know, it's more for them. But uh, if they're definitely saying it way out loud for other people to hear, you know, even just for your card to hear, you don't even really need a gallery. I think if it's just like you know, just laying down bombs uh, right after your tee shot, then definitely think it's appropriate to say something <laughs> and, about it. And to be honest here, I could be wrong. I haven't read the rules in full lately, but I don't think there's a rule that talks about swearing, right? Or cursing or foul language. I think it would talk about something disruptions or whatever, but I would anyway. assume it's more on the lines of like disrupting yeah. your card mates. Okay, here we go. This, this is a post from somebody we're randomizing again. He goes, so, or she, she or he. So hear me out. 
Guy calls for a mulligan, and what they mean here is a rethrow. Okay, so they they got their terminology wrong. A rethrow, as in like take a penalty stroke rethrow. So he goes. Call, guy calls for a rethrow, runs back, touches the pad, and changes his mind. Should that count as a stroke? No. Um, play I that mean, scenario out in your head. Like, I guess what if is you that picked like? up the technically disc. speaking, when you when you consider a is lost disc you, lost, it's a lost disc. But let's say it wasn't you, a lost disc. Let's say put, it was he decided to rethrow. When you put your mini down on the ground, move your disc away from it, you've marked your lie. You can't be like, oh, you know what? I actually don't want to do that. You can't put your disc What if down. he left his disc there, yeah, didn't that, mark it, only ran back? So, Gannon or Cole, I saw you wanting to respond here. No? Was I missing out on that? <laughs> what do you think? I still don't understand this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if someone... Throws I mean, their shot. It all depends why they, they walk down and they it's... see their shot and they decide to walk back and rethrow. Then they get back to the pad and they go, "Never mind, I'm going back to my shot." Like, is there anything well, there? I, that's kind of weird. It's like it's like saying you're gonna throw a provisional and <laughs> yes. then you just end up not doing it. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I've kind of got stuck in that actually too. <laughs> One time at, at the, uh, the Des Moines Challenge this year, um, I had like it was, it was a weird situation with like a dead like like bush in my lie. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like it was pretty bad like it was it was messing up my swing and then so i said i'm gonna, th I'm gonna throw a provisional one with the bush in my lie and so i threw it and i parked it and i was like do i do i have to throw the second one because it was technically like the the worst of the two lies um and then i i end up throwing it my other shot and so i, I it, it didn't end up mattering because i got a three on both of them but i mean that, i don't know that's kind of i feel like that's that's a tough question because i feel like with mine, it was weird because I was like, if it's if I just threw the worst of the two, I, I don't even know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I was a, gonna say. So was yours more of like, hey, do I get casual relief off this bush? And so I just wanted to move that. It was like a, it was like a dead. Uh -huh. It might have been a limb. It was a huge like limb, and I had to do like a patent pending. And if you know me, I'm so bad at those. So I was like, I just want to have a little bit of a cleaner swing. Not like it was gonna like hurt me or anything, but it was just you know annoying. It was definitely affecting my swing a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. It was kind of that random. Disc I don't really know if we've come to an answer. Internet disc golf questions. I, I think if, if there's it's too many scenarios that yes. could go on. There's not enough information. If it's really playing out in my head it, though, yeah. if it's playing out the way I'm reading it, I'm standing down there. The guy walks up and he's like, eh, "I don't know if I like the shot." You know what? I'm rethrowing. He walks back up there and then he gets there and he's like. Never mind, I'm coming back. What am I saying to myself in my head is, come on, man. Yeah. And, like, that's what's happening. It's like a 30 okay. second violation. Yeah. That's what I think it really is. Yeah. Probably a 30 second violation, but also, I mean, no shots have been thrown. But yeah, you could, <laughs> I think you probably boil it down to the 30 second violation because he already established his lie. And then, which is what? A 30 second violation is just courtesy, isn't it? To start. Yeah, so the first one just like Cupcake don't, don't do that again. Also got strokes for oh, thirty second <laughs> violations this week. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. On the same Jeez. card, I think, and they were on the same yeah, card. They were on right? the same card. Do yeah. you feel? Do you feel yeah. any of that pressure on tour? Because we just saw the PDGA announce rules proposals for pace of play. The the World Championships, the pre uh, the meeting, the players meeting. They talked about we're gonna have officials out there. Are you feeling it out there and seeing it? Is it a pressure that's on tour that you're aware of? I mean, for me specifically, no. I think I'm definitely one of the faster players. I mean, I'm not like excessively fast, but I think for most of the time when I step up to my shot, I'm pretty like, here's the shot at hand, just throw it. So for yeah. me, not really. For me, yes. Um, that's kind of been known. Uh, my time's definitely got better. And actually, one of the PJ Marshalls told me like this weekend, like I, my time was fine. So that <laughs> felt a little bit better. Um, 
I'm kind of in that. I'm kind of stuck in that situation where you know, even if I fix it and then I come back to it and do another, you know, just even like one shot or two shots where I take over the thirty second like rule, or maybe it just like maybe looked like it or looked bad. I'll just get destroyed for it just because. I mean, that's very typical. Um, but like I remember Idlewild this year when we were playing like the night round. Um, I'd gotten a. I had a, I was in a weird lie. I was in like a pile of rocks, and so the the footing was weird, and it was a blind basket, and it was on the new hole we hadn't. I mean, we hadn't played until this year, and I had a forehand roller, and so I I kind of like went to my lie just to see like what it looked like, and then I went up, walked up to see where the basket was at, came back to my lie, and at that point they're like, yeah, you once you stand behind your lie, you you've established your lie. And, you know, pretty much once you either like go to your bag for a new disc, like you've gone over the 30 seconds or if you go and walk up, you've pretty much gone over the 30 seconds as well. So I got <laughs> I got an official like courtesy time violation warning um, and it was really stressful because it was getting super dark and at Idlewild you kick off in the woods and you don't have much. <laughs> and so I have, I have to throw these scramble shots where like I don't want to hit my hand on a tree or something like that, and I'm just terrified, and I end up having to just chuck one out of the woods with no time. And luckily, you know, the couple times I did, it, I was fine. But you know, I, I feel like that can be a little concerning, and um, it definitely I feel like caused me to lose a couple strokes just because I was rushing stuff and I missed like a 20 footer. Um, I and not that I was gonna break the the violation, but I, I think I was like I'd, I'd be like 18 seconds in, and then I'd get a little nervous, and I'd be like, oh crap, crap, crap. You know, I still had 12 seconds left and I would just put it and just miss, you know. Uh, interesting. I have, I have one more thing on that, too. Like, I mean, I don't know, like, all what's happening with the rule change mm -hmm. or, like, what those new proposals are. Mainly pace of play. So, like, as in, like, if your card is trailing and things like that, they can walk up and give the, a group, like, hey, you're trailing. Like, this is your, mm -hmm. your warning. That's a proposal. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that at all, honestly. And... I think I, I agree with something Gannon said not too long ago about like if you if you literally just made the time uh, a minute like it's not really gonna make us I don't feel like really it's gonna make anybody take longer than mm -hmm. they're comfortable with. Um, I think part of the thirty second rule almost makes you, uh, like uncomfortable and antsy about it. And maybe if that rule just wasn't really there, it maybe help us you know free up our minds a little bit and maybe throw you know what's comfortable for us. You know, obviously that could also open a whole other can of worms of more problems where people just are now not even, you know, concerned about timing with other people and, and, uh, and that stuff. But, you know, Gannon said, he's like, I, I don't, I don't think anybody's going to take longer than what they already do. Um, just because there's more right. time. Um, it's, you know, yep. I'm, I definitely feel like I'd take the same amount of time that I do now, even if the, the 32nd rule was extended. So, um, yeah, that's just yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a whole nother conversation we're not probably gonna discuss right now, but is that whole idea of should there be timing and all we talked with Gannon about that before. We'll go back and find one of our episodes with that. Here's another question. There's always something random in everyone's bag. For me, it's some sort of fidget. I just threw a mini Rubik's Cube in my bag, so I guess I'm good forever now. And a spare pair of sunglasses, just in case. What random stuff do you have in your bag? Anything? Random. I don't know. Um, I I've always thought about putting a Rubik's cube in my bag. I remember like when I was in Am, I would I would definitely put a cube in my bag for um, uh, just backups and stuff. But um, I think now my hands would get like oily because I, I like I put the oil. In, I'm like a, actually a decent cuber, so I, I like I make them so they like turn better, and then I feel like it would just leak onto my hands, and I'd shank everything. So I'm scared. 
Do you know what your faster time, your fastest time was cubing? Oh, I got it. <laughs> By the way, in studio, gummy worms are being tossed around yeah, for those uh, my listening fastest audience. Time, um, it's probably like right around like 18 seconds. Um, mm, very fast. My, my dad got me a cube <clears throat> for Christmas and it was a, it had like a computer inside basically. So it, you hook it up to an app and it tells you like how many moves it took you to solve it how many moves per second you're doing, wow. what you did to solve it. And so it was on one of those. So it was like an official, it wasn't like I got, I mean, it wasn't like it was a, a lucky scramble. I don't know. Yeah. It was like somewhat official. What, um, do you know what your brother was at back in his heyday? His, I'm, his I might brother, be wrong. It was probably in between 12 and 14 seconds. Yeah. His brother Something Jonathan like was also, or Johnny was a uh, really good at Cuban. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm like a 25 second consistent. That's right incredible. Yeah. yeah. So candy is something you were saying. Rabbit's foot, dice, I have kendama, a in my bag. Drumstick. So I like like, to, like chicken. No, like a uh, yeah, like a drummer's <laughs> drumstick. I like to twirl it on my thing. Oh, cool. my fingers when I'm just kind of walking. It just I don't know. Hey, keeps your hand going for the thumbnail in this video. If you guys got like four gummy worms hanging out of your mouth each, it might <laughs> it might garner some attention. So feel free to do that at any point. And also slide like two inches. <clears throat> To your right. No, they're gonna go full screen, probably. Or you could, yeah, we could fit them. Yeah, it's, just, it's just to make sure that on this screen they're better. There we you go. got it. Yeah, you Gummy worms. No, <laughs> we're yeah. like forcing them to yeah. do stuff. Okay. Um, one really last, quick, really quick. Yep. While we're talking about what random things you have in your bag, we want to shout out the people who help support and make the Nick and Matt show what it is. Discology, disc golf, bad company. Okay, you might not have heard of them, but you're gonna hear about them now. Discology, disc golf. They're a bag retailer located in Jonesboro, Arkansas. They provide tournament grade bags at easily, from what I've seen, the best prices in all of disc golf. Go check them out at discologydiscgolf.com. They are the Icon bag, which two of us actually got. You're going to see very soon. The Icon bag was their newest one. It is finally here. They are ready to be released. Go on to discologydiscgolf.com. Check it out. We were talking about shipping earlier. If you order their bags <laughs> Monday through Friday, no five days, you get it shipped next day. They got them in stock. They're ready to ship them out for you. Go check them out. Discology I just saw my brand new bag tonight and I'm not going to spoil it yet, but I'm so stoked to be able to wear it. It's got awesome colors and it's just very, very slick looking. So once again, discology It'll be in our YouTube bio and then also for the uh, post YouTube show. Everybody plays better with a new bag on their back. So go, go get Yo. There it is. There it is. There it is. Wait, I didn't realize. Oh, that, that is weird. That's like <laughs> gobbler chicken weird. I didn't even see them do that. I'm right next to them. I just put them over. Is it sour to have that many? Any more sour? Or is it the same? It's probably just There's one of them. I don't know what, I don't know what color it is, but they're one of them that's like a pink lemonade. It's really freaking good. Dude, there was a grapefruit one. I like yeah. that one. Oh, that also that yeah, maybe that's what I'm There's other so many good ones. Yeah, there. It's, kind of like, it's almost like a All right. sweetness. I can appreciate that these are actually sour. Well, like yeah. somewhat sour. Yeah. Compared a lot of sour to gummy yes. worms that like like the trolley ones. Yes. Gas station ones, they're like, they're just sweet. This just is sugar. the best. Yeah, this is the best. Sugar. I'm telling you, I found them and I order them on Amazon. I ate now. way too many. It's a five pound bag going down by the I whole feel crew. Sick. Yeah. Okay. No, I've, I've might have five more. Last question no here. Last question here on this one. I know that disc golf is a year round sport with a set pro tour and all. Question though, what season feels the most like disc golf season to you? Now, this is assuming you're not touring, I guess. Like, as a disc golfer, what season feels the most like disc golf season? Uh, end of literally where we are right now. End of the summer, early autumn is like 
I think the best time to play disc golf. I love right. Yeah. Maybe a week or two before the fall, the autumn, I'm yeah. thinking like fall and I'm a new England guy. Yeah. And like that to me is mine. I mean, we are literally just in Vermont at mm. the best possible time of the year. Like you could even, but push it was it, getting hot though. You and even, I want the cool air. You could even push it back a week or maybe even two weeks. And you yeah. have like just peak new England fall, autumn, whatever you call it. Getting there, getting there. Just peak. Perfect. But you're going to have it at MVP open. What yeah. do you think, Cole? What's your season if you had to choose? Mouthful of gummy worms. Um, I think it definitely, I, I mean, honestly, yeah. I think the, the stretch from GMC to through uh, the Pro Tour finals is, is awesome. It's definitely just like one after the other, just big events everybody's paying attention to, everybody wants to compete at. They were super exciting courses. And yeah, it just it doesn't really get much much better than that. Favorite season, or not favorite season. It seems like it reads that way, but I think it says what season feels the most like disc golf season i, I was gonna say same thing uh like right right about now i remember like last year like from gmc to pro tour finals just felt like so like magical even just with all the bigger tournaments happening uh but other than that like, i think like for me casually when i was or not casually but like when i was in my amateur days uh you know probably like when i was like 10 to like 15 i, I kind of you know, way back then, I felt... Um, <laughs> Yesterday. No. Yeah. Uh, I, I felt like... I just remember, like, super hot Iowa summers. And so it'd be, like... It'd be just, like, June, pretty much. Like, either the the middle of June, where it's super hot, or July. Or I have good memories of just playing in 15 degrees with, mm-hmm. you know, just... Every tree has no leaves on it, and the ground is just covered in leaves. So... You know, I, I kind of have like my own memories from different time periods, but in terms of like on the pro tour right now, I'd I'd definitely say right now, just because all the big tournaments are happening. Are you air conditioning your ears, Cole? Or are you just fed up? Well, You're done. My ears hurt, but and I can I realize I can hear you guys <laughs> right here. I don't even need <laughs> yeah. headphones on. This is true. We don't have guests anymore. Yeah. In, uh, oh, I was say the beat the beats. That's so hurt, funny. So we could only have that yeah, when the yeah, guests. Yeah. That's the only way you could hear them. But now we don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Quick shout out as we move to the closeout here. We are going to do the USDGC giveaway. We're just giving away the titles now again, and we just say you are the USDGC winner. Can I have um, the next one. Actually, yeah, you can. All right. <laughs> yeah, Cole so yeah, I wouldn't mind one. Next yeah. week. Huh. Next week, if you want to win two VIP tickets to USDGC, yeah, it's just tickets, Cole. Sorry, it's not the title. But but you'll be there to watch somebody earn the title. Um, Which could be you. Next week, we're going to involve, and I don't want to promise this, so don't hold me, but we're going to involve live callers and some sort of some sort of trivia to give these tickets away. So all of our live, ready to know all of our post audio, it's going to be given away live. Yeah. So be sure to tune in next week. We'll have multiple guests in studio, similar to what's happening now. We'll be able to ask those questions. All right. Last closing out topic. And it's, it's nine o'clock. It really has nothing. That. It really has nothing to do with anybody in this room, oh, except sure. maybe we have an opinion. I've always said that putting, this was back years ago. Putting was the missing part of FPO disc golf. Now I'm not talking anybody specific. I'm not saying it's because it's FPO. Like as in because they're women. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that's what it always seemed to be missing. And it doesn't seem like that's necessarily the case right now. You have Tatar, you have Missy and others that are canning big putts. Is this like a change? Is that why we're seeing yeah. Missy, Own, and Kristen rising well above the rest? Is it because of putting? I know there's a whole game, but yeah. is that really where you're you're separating the difference? Gannon's like, let me talk. I was gonna say <laughs> I think the one thing that separates the like the top FPO from like kind of the middle of the pack and below is just consistency. Uh, I think like a lot of the players all have it honestly, but 
there's like a lot, I feel like there's a lot of FPL players that maybe like don't make good decisions or like, and, and the same thing is like kind of happens in MPO where like maybe like one every four holes, like a player will just have a terrible shank and will go OB <laughs> and then it'll cost them two strokes. And if you do that like two times around over four rounds, you end up, you know, being eight strokes up back, even if you played the same tournament. This, despite just having like a couple, you know, just bad tee shots. Yeah. So I think I think what it's been is like, especially like I played doubles with Missy and I actually played with Kristen on her card as well. Um, and those are, you know, two of your probably, those are de- definitely in your top five FPO players, obviously Kristen and Missy and maybe even put top three. Um, but they just, they don't like shank ever, which is like, like, I mean, I know Missy doesn't throw quite as far as Kristen, but. You know, Kristen has the forehand and the backhand, and but you know, Missy has a three, you know, three fifty to three seventy five backhand, and she can place it pretty much where she wants to every time. Where I feel like there's a lot of FPO players that sometimes will just have a a shot will come out maybe like super nose up or really turned over, just not quite as consistent when it comes to teeing off. Yeah, <clears throat> so putting seems to be showing up here. Yeah. Um, um. Someone was asking earlier in the chat. I just want to bring this up before we kind of end up on the show or end the show. Um, you guys obviously follow along FPO. It happens at every single tournament that you guys go to the kind of dominance that we are seeing out of Kristen right now. I think the biggest thing you had just said was consistency, but kind of talk a little bit, just, are you taking in a lot of the FPO? I know you go out and actually caddy for Katrina Allen. You help out other friends while you're out on the road. Um, talk to us just a little bit about Kristen's dominance a little bit. And then, uh, just about the FPO division in general, how much are you taking in of that? Yeah, I definitely honestly look forward to it every morning, you know, just wake up. I mean, it's nice to be after the FPO. So you get to wake up and, you know, 930 rolls around and you're like, oh, sweet. I get to watch him FPO on, on DGN. Uh, and so, yeah, it's it's definitely great to to watch. And, you know, the dominance of Kristen is just something that, you know, maybe honestly the FPO field kind of needs in order to like push them, mm-hmm. you know, forward into another level. Um, you know, they're all, we're all out here grinding and, and busting our butts on the road, but you know, as the sport is continuing to grow and there's beginning to be more money in the sport, you know, people are going to start getting a little more comfortable. And, you know, I think something that, that Kristen is certainly doing is pushing the FPO competitors to give their, their all each and every week and, and push them to become better themselves. Um, and, you know, I just think that's such a cool thing. And, and, you know, even, the consistency of Calvin this year and some at some points, you know, the MPO field as well. There's there's some players and, and this newer generation like Gannon and Isaac and, you know, even myself, like we're all trying to push our division forward. And it's been the most competitive season in disc golf. You keep seeing records broken, scoring records broken for tournament after tournament mm-hmm. after tournament, not just an FPO, but also an MPO. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just growing pains for the sport. And Kristen's definitely taken the FPO division to another level and uh it's just really it's really awesome to see i don't mind seeing the seeing the dominance because it's like like she's putting in so much work and and pushing that field further and further um i think it's i think it's really awesome yeah i was, I was gonna say I, I look forward to watching fpo every morning it's it's like especially um you know being one in the top 10 ranked players i i tend to tee off a little bit later and so i'm kind of just bored in the morning i have nothing to do and it, it's honestly like the lead card FPO tees off like get like the perfect time, like 930, <laughs> which is like right when I'm waking up. So I just wake up, literally just sit in my bed, turn on DGN. I can watch the FPO uh, pretty much all morning. And then and then it kind of cuts the time down. Um, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's I wonder how it is for the FPO side. I feel like the MPO and FPO live in two like completely different worlds. <laughs> it's true. Um, like like I know like MPO talks about, you know, FPO and I, I'm not sure 
if the FPO talk about the MPO at all, or if they even watch us at all, at all, you know. <laughs> Interesting. I know. I, 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 I have heard both, like, some FPOs don't watch MPO, like, they only focus on yeah. their own division. Um, but I know, I know for, like, MPO, I know pretty much all of us watch FPO every morning. I'm just not sure if it's the other way around. You know? Next yeah. week, next week, we're going to plan to bring in a few other guests in studio, and we'll have to ask that question. Yeah, we, we we'll, have some FPO. Out. we'll get some FPO in yeah, here. Yeah, we need some answers. All right. In FPO players in the chat, give us some answers. In closing out, um, which we'll start here, I'm putting you on the spot, both of you, but if you had to pick, if you had to pick Ganon to take one skill of Cole's and add it to your game. And Cole, you had to pick one of Ganon's and add it to your game. Which is it? What are you picking as we're closing out here? Mine is very quick. I would definitely take Cole's touch. I feel like his well, like his putter, his putter touch is like pretty underrated for Cole. <laughs> Cole being like, I feel like someone known as like a power player, but you know, he actually does really good in a lot of the woods courses. And um, I think I think I'm okay like woods power, but like when I get to like a 250 foot up shot, I'm kind of shaking. Like I just don't feel like I can throw it straight. <laughs> okay. And, uh, yeah, that's, I definitely would take his backhand touch. What do you got, Cole? Is it easy? <laughs> yeah, I'd take that too. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I definitely think it would be. Um, I honestly think it would be your forehand because oh, I definitely the chat called it. I definitely, I definitely struggle a lot with the forehand on the course. I think his forehand, his forehand touch, uh, definitely <laughs> with that A two that he throws and um, just some other. Just, I just think I think I would definitely take the forehand. The putting, the putting thing. He has an incredible putt, but it's a little a little too fast for him. Okay, so. that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was thinking you'd pick forehand. Um, I think my forehand's not like anything world class. Obviously, um, I'm not like known as a forehand player, but I feel like pretty much any time there's a forehand tee shot, I'm throwing a forehand, and uh, I'm very comfortable with a forehand in terms of like just accuracy. I, obviously, it's not huge. It's I can throw 400 feet forehand, but it's not every single time. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I think it definitely helps me to have like forehand angles in the woods for scrambling ability. Absolutely. What we've you guys on. don't know is we have the closeout music going. We got 20 seconds left, Nick. You're gonna well, close we're gonna it have out. to restart it. I'll, I'll give it a go really quick. But really quick, sell me on that <laughs> green disc that's super late fades for you or super late flips. Aftershock. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's the, an, that's, everybody that's go an check out. Go, go check out an aftershock and watch Cole throw it. It's the most yeah. badass throw in the world. Everybody, thank you for tuning in for the world's episode. We are going to be back better than ever next week, right before the MP or excuse me, MVP open. We are going to actually have in studio guests. And we're going to go back to our pop, lock, and drop picks. We're going to talk about all the points for that next week. Like, comment, subscribe on the video. Check us out for the USDGC VIP giveaway. Tell us something you love them this week. Catch you in the next one. Wow, awesome. Ben, you're awesome. Evan, we know you're watching, relaxing, chilling. You're awesome. Nick, you're awesome. Cole, Gannon, you're awesome. Peace out, out everybody. Oh, bye. Bye. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find The Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.